The Fitness Hacks Podcast, Episode 25. Today, we're joined by Seth Muncie. Welcome to the Fitness Hacks Podcast by Redefining Strength. Breaking down fitness and the fitness business with some of the best names in the industry. And here are your hosts, Corey Lefkowitz and Ryan Heenan. Go to those events, stay afterwards, go for drinks, learn, talk to people, you know, because you never know what's going to come out of it down the road. What a way to kick off 2017 with an awesome episode today from Seth Muncie. Seth has done so many different things, and he's had experience both working in the industry and training new trainers coming up, seeking out knowledge. And Seth goes over so many different elements of business, of fitness, of mental health. And I think no matter whether you're a trainer, you're an entrepreneur, or just a person, I think everybody can benefit from listening to Seth because he's had so many great life experiences, and he's open to sharing about them. He literally motivated me and I'm ready to go do a workout. I'm ready to go talk to people and help people. I mean, Seth is a great motivator and his experiences and his the knowledge that he drops in terms of going out there and really, you know, connecting with people and continuing to learn and just his message about showing up. It's so motivational and it was an amazing podcast with him. So rather than keeping the hype going. Let's just jump right into it with Seth and be sure to listen carefully for his quotes that he drops because Seth is self-admittedly a quote guy and he gives maybe five or six great quotes throughout the episode. Today we're joined by Seth Muncie. Seth, welcome to the show. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and your fitness journey and what led to your passion for fitness? Awesome. Well, uh, thanks so much, Ryan and Corey, for having me. I'm just really uh, excited to be on this uh, podcast with you guys. Love the podcast and everything. So, uh, First off, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, my fitness journey. Just a real quick recap. So I, I after I got out of high school, I was like a scrawny little kid. I made I weighed like one sixty. Um, most of my sports, I grew up down where you guys are at, in South Orange County. So most of my sports were, uh, you know, snowboarding or like surfing, body surfing stuff like that. So I didn't spend a lot of time in the gym. I did like cross country running for my sophomore year and hated it. And so never did that again. Uh, but after, after I got out, I went into the military, I was in the coast guard and I spent four years doing search and rescue and all that. And, um, and, uh, law enforcement up in San Francisco, uh, up closer where I'm at now I'm in Monterey. And when I got out, I, uh, got on an ambulance and I spent a couple years on an ambulance down, uh, again, where you guys are at in Laguna beach. And I went from 160, like 160, 165 to about 210 uh, on the ambulance and also as a part-time firefighter. And I was just in like horrible shape, had like acid reflux. I was eating Tums like all day long, um, always sick. And I was trying to get, uh, I was trying to apply for fire departments. And as I was doing that, I was realizing like I'm not going to pass any of the physical ability test that you need to become a firefighter. And here I am, I'm, I'm studying. I went to the fire academy and uh, did really well in that. And, but if I can't pass the physical stuff that that's on me and I had a wife at the time and I knew we were going to have kids and everything. So I thought, okay, I need to get in shape. I, if I don't pass that, this is on me. So I started to uh, go to the gym, started to change how I was eating, kind of, I didn't really know much about fitness at that point. So I just worked really hard, got disciplined and, uh, went from like 210 to like 175, uh, in just a few short months. 
And during that time, I just realized I really enjoyed it. And I wanted to get off the ambulance because uh, spending time on the ambulance doing 911 calls, you're just you're running all day long. You get 24 hour shifts. You're up in the middle of the night. Just the adrenaline that's jumped in, you know, dropping your system all the time. And I was just like, I was just, I was just beat. So a friend of mine that worked on the ambulance, I uh, used to work in the ambulance. He's like, Hey, you should, uh, in the meantime, once you get a job at, uh, uh, this gym, this big box gym. And I thought, well, I don't know anything about it. And he's like, Oh, just take a test and, uh, you know, uh, do this cert online certification. I did like ISSA or something. And, and try out to be a personal trainer in the meantime. I was like, all right, I'll, I'll give it a shot. So I did it and got hired. And while I was there uh, doing personal training off the ambulance on personal training, I just really started to fall in love with it. Started to you know help people, realize that I was still in a helping profession because I had always been in a helping profession through the Coast Guard and through the ambulance. Um, and decided, you know, hey, I got the VA. Uh, from going to co- from uh, going to the military, so I went into college and I went to Cal State Fullerton, got my degree in exercise science. While I was there, uh, my senior year at Fullerton, I got a internship uh, working with the Anaheim Ducks uh, as their intern strength coach for the strength coach that was there at the time, Sean Skane, and spent like a year, about a year and a half with him, and absolutely loved it. That kind of opened the doors to kettlebells. I got my RKC. It kind of just this floodgate opened where I started to be really introduced to all these different types of training and ended up moving up to Monterey where I'm at now, where my wife is from, and opening up a gym uh, four years ago, Iron Republic. And uh, through that, started not only training with kettlebells and sandbags and stuff uh, and body weight stuff, but eventually became like a master instructor with uh, DVRT with Ultima Sandbags. I, I heard you guys' podcast with Josh, my boss, Josh, over at uh, DVRT, and it was an awesome podcast. And uh, so I trained as a master instructor for them and also for another organization called Original Strength. Um, I'm one of their instructors there. So it's kind of just been like I've always been in the helping profession, and uh, it's kind of led me to where I'm at now about a decade later. Seth, I love that you've done so many different things. And I was excited to talk with you today because you host these workshops and you run these workshops. And I know trainers are constantly asking, how do I learn more? How do I, you know, really build my training repertoire so that I can help my clients? And so can you tell them a little bit about going to workshops, how to get the most out of workshops, how they can continue learning so they can help their clients better? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I've, I've always been big on uh, going to workshops and certifications and meetups and all that. Um, one of the earliest quotes that kind of stuck with me, um, even when I was in the Coast Guard, someone told me uh, one time, a superior of mine, and he's like, Seth, always remember this quote, if you're, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room, right? And so that's always stuck with me, like, okay, I've always got to improve myself and get better. So I started going to a lot of workshops and certifications. And in the beginning, I was just going to like all of them. I was going to all the perform betters, everything. But uh, one time I was at a work, I was at perform better. And uh, there's a guy named Dan John and he's a, a strength coach. And uh, he was in the front row and he's a, he was speaking at perform better. And he's in the front row sitting there taking notes and uh, just writing down a bunch of notes uh, listening to someone else's talk. And Dan's been in the business for like 35 years or something. 
And uh, I started talking to him afterwards and really changed how I, would, how I was going to workshops and certifications and stuff uh, after talking to Dan. Uh, most people just try to just cram them in. They just try to go to as many or they don't go to any. Um, they kind of just stick with what they've got. Um, my biggest advice from going to a lot of workshops and also now teaching certifications and workshops is first off, show up. You know, one of my favorite quotes from Woody Allen is uh, 80% of success in life is showing up. And not just showing up like physically, but intellectually. And also when you're there, show up, find out why you're showing up. I think a lot of trainers, uh, they show up because they feel like they need to show up or they're like, oh, it'd be cool to learn that. I, sh- I always show up and go, okay, what clients do I have that this is going to benefit? And what are a few key takeaways from this certification or this workshop that I can use that will benefit these clients or benefit future clients? And how does it fit into my system? Um, because that's a big thing that I took away years ago from listening to this podcast with uh, Coach Boyle, Mike Boyle. And he's like, in the beginning, you're like a cook and you're learning everything but then eventually you become a chef and you don't just go to a certification and just say, Oh, I got to learn all this stuff. And then I've got to throw it all into my program on Monday, you know? So show up first, show up, not just physically, but intellectually. And then while you're there, don't try to learn everything. Go, okay, what is my system and how are the things that I'm going to learn today? What key points can I use into my system? And I was talking to, uh, really quickly here, I was talking to someone one time and we were talking about a workshop and, and the only thing that I learned really at this workshop was the wrist position during this crawling, uh, this crawling exercise. And that was like my biggest takeaway. And I was telling someone, they're like, what, that's like your biggest takeaway, the, the wrist position, uh, you know, uh, during crawling. I said, yeah, cause I've got like six or seven people, clients of mine that have been complaining about wrist position or their wrist hurting. So now if I can go back and I can change just a little bit of how they, the where they put the pressure on their hand on the ground, that's going to be huge for them. It's going to take away their wrist pain. It might take away their wrist pain. They're going to stay longer as clients. They're going to feel better. They're going to move better. And then I'll also have that in my book, uh, in my toolbox for, you know, for people down the road. So to get a long story short, show up, show up, show up, and then think about what are the key few takeaways that I can do, that I can uh, get from this that's going to help somebody. I love that you use that cook to chef analogy, Mm -hmm. because one that I like to use is just because you read a cookbook that doesn't make you a good cook. Yeah. You know, you know, so it's like when you go, you're just trying to pick up on this knowledge that, like you said, you can implement later. So, Showing up is obviously very important. And like you said, showing up in the right mind frame is going to help you get the most out of it. So let's say that somebody is a beginner trainer who's never gone to a workshop and they've taken the commitment to show up. What's next? I mean, I think it can be intimidating because do you go talk to people? Do you go sit in the front row next to Dan John? I mean, what's what's what do you suggest someone who's a first timer at one of these should do when they get there? Yeah, absolutely. No, that's a great point. So so, you know, when you do show up, I've always been one to show up uh, after the fact, show up during lunch. 
you know, go to lunch with people, go and meet people, coaches. That's where I learn a lot of my, a uh, lot of my stuff now is when I go, like whenever I go to perform better, uh, down in Long Beach, most of the time I'm sitting there talking with other coaches. I'm going out for drinks afterwards and I'm not drinking, you know, uh, a ton because I'm there to talk with other people and, you know, learn from these other great coaches. Uh, because what I see a lot of times is, you know, I'll go to these workshops or these certification stuff and then there'll be a bunch of people there. They don't talk to anybody. And then as soon as the workshop is over, they're in their car and they're, they're taken off. And there's so much more opportunities there to learn and to, let's say you're in a certification for the day, go out with the people afterwards because that's where you're going to start to really be able to process that information and, and work through it by talking with others. That, that is one of the biggest key points that has gotten to me where I am today. Um, you know, uh, a quick story here from the time, like when I worked, when I was at Cal State Fullerton, I started listening to these podcasts and, um, with, and there was like coach Boyle, there's a bunch of these people on these podcasts. And I heard about this website, this forum that Mike Boyle had, coach Boyle had, and, uh, there's like the strength and conditioning, uh, strengthcoach.com. So I went on there and I told a bunch of my friends that I was at Cal State Fullerton with. I was like, hey, you guys should get on this, uh, this thing. There's all these great coaches on there, this forum. It's like nine bucks a month. And they're like, uh, I don't have time. I, you know, I've got other things I'm focusing on. So are you sure? They're like, yeah. Well, on this forum, they mentioned that this guy, Coach Dose, uh, Robert Dose Remedios, he's like one of the top strength coaches out there, mentioned that he was putting on a one-day seminar for like 70 bucks or something like two hours away. So I told all my friends that, that I was at school with, I was like, Hey, you guys want to come up with me? This guy, coach Dose, he's up there. He's hosting the seminar. They're having all these great speakers. They're like, Oh man, that's on a Saturday. I got things to do. I was like, are you sure it's, it's super cheap? Like no. So I went up there. Then afterwards, uh, coach Dose, if you don't know coach Dose, he likes to, you know, he likes his, uh, his beer. And so coach was like, Hey, if anyone wants to go out afterwards for a drink, the first one's on me. And I was like two hours away from home. It's like 10 o'clock at night. I'm like, heck yeah, I'm going out for a beer with Coach Dose. So I go out for a beer and it's like me and like the rest of his crew and that's it. Everyone else that was there all just took off. From there led to a bunch of other stuff, led to me going to uh, uh, San Diego to be a victim at this Russian kettlebell certification I drove like two hours south to be a victim for one day for an hour. Led to me being at Perform Better. Uh, I'll wrap it up here. Led to me being at Perform Better and Coach Dose had a pub crawl. It was like his first or second pub crawl he ever had. And I told all my friends, I was like, hey, you should go to this pub crawl before Long Beach. And they're like, no, no, we're not going to that. We don't care about that. So I go there and I end up sitting at the bar next to this guy and I start talking to him. I didn't know who he was. And I was like, yeah, I just went to this RKC victim thing. He's like, you went down there? I was like, yeah. He's like, oh, man, I, I, I was at that RKC. Why'd you go all the way down there for that? I said, you know, I just try to show up. I'm always showing up. I just always feel like if I show up and, you know, and I pay attention, and I show up intellectually, things are going to happen. So he's like, well, that's cool. He's like, hey, you know, my name's uh, Sean. I'm, uh, I'm with the Ducks. And, you know... What are, you, what are you doing for the next couple months? And I was like, wow, oh, okay. I, I listened to you on the podcast uh, <laughs> earlier. He's like, really? 
You listen to that? That was like the first podcast. Like I, I recorded that like four years ago. I was like, oh yeah, I listened to every podcast, this uh, strength coach podcast, you know, on my way to school. And then I go back to my friends and I was like, hey, uh, you know, something crazy happened. I'm now working with the ducks. And they're like, what? You were so lucky. I'm like, lucky? <laughs> lucky? I'm not even close to lucky. I, I showed up a bunch of places not knowing what was ever going to happen. And, you know, that's my story. You know, that's why I tell people, like, go to those events, stay afterwards, go for drinks, learn, talk to people, you know, because you never know what's going to come out of it down the road. Seth, that is a story that every trainer starting out needs to hear. <laughs> Actually, every person in general who's an entrepreneur even needs to hear that. I mean, that is amazing because you talk about how you have to make learning a priority and constantly make it a priority, especially if you want to grow in the industry. And then you talk about making connections. Cause I think in the fitness realm, so often we get this like feeling that you need to, you know, keep your secrets or you can't go talk to other people. When you really connect with other people, not only do you make connections that lead to business opportunities, but you actually learn and grow more because you can process the information, as you said. So that is. One of the most amazing stories I think I've ever heard because it highlights so many good things. Oh, thanks. Yeah, you know, and like I said, I look back to it and, you know, I can still remember those guys going, oh, man, you're so lucky. I said, dude, I've been asking you guys for the forever to come with me to all these things. It's not there's nothing luck about it. Now, did I know it was going to lead to what it was going to lead to? No, but that's the first step is showing up. Right. Well, I think there's a quote that says, luck is just hard work meeting opportunity. And that is a yes. perfect example. Absolutely. So after going to all these different workshops, how did you pick to become a master trainer for Ultimate Sandbag and the DVRT system and OS or Original Strength? Yeah. So uh, with both of those, um, it came down to showing up. So with, with DVRT, the, that first pub crawl that I ever went to where I met Sean, I also met Josh Henkin. So Josh was there and I just said, hello, we talked, not much. This was years ago. Then I went to the next pub crawl the following year, talked with Josh Moore, went to the next pub crawl and I paid for all these pub crawls, you know, and it's an extra day for me to go down there to do it and never really, uh, you know, um, trying to get anything out of it, just going to connect and learn and stuff. And became, uh, developed a friendship with Jess, Jessica and Josh and, um, also fell in love with, with DVRT and ultimate sandbag training, went and got certified level one, level two, and then, uh, started teaching it a lot. Um, like at my classes and everything. And then one day I uh, got reached out, Josh reached out to me and said, Hey Seth, you know, um, we're, you know, I'm so glad that you've done the DVRT level one and two and, and, you know, for all throughout the years, all of our, our, our talks and this and that, we'd love to have you teach for us. Would you want to be an instructor for us? And I was like, absolutely. So, you know, that, that was, that came from showing up, you know, he didn't just, you know, pick my name out of a hat. Um, and I'm very fortunate that, that he brought me on as a master instructor, promoted me up to that position. Same thing with original strength. I went one day to a four-hour movement class, uh, movement workshop down in Orange County, and they said, hey, there's a, a more advanced workshop up in Modesto, uh, and it was eight hours away, and like two months later, and I said, you know what? I'm going up there. Went up there, and I did it, and I did it at this gym called Full Force uh, by this guy, Rick Garcia, who owns, uh, who owns the gym. Told Rick I was training for my RKC, 
we started talking. We became friends, and he called me a month later and said, hey, these guys are doing, uh, Tim Anderson and Jeff Newport are doing this thing called Original Strength. This was a few years ago, and they want to do the first ever workshop here at my place. Do you want to do it? And it's like eight hours away, and I'm like, I didn't really know much about it. I said, absolutely, let's do it. So I drove up there, paid, spent the, it was their very first workshop they did. And then since then, I just kept attending workshops and got on the instructor uh, course. So with that, you have to go through an entire like course. You have to uh, teach and you have to do a bunch of different things to get signed off. And I became, and they promoted me up to instructor there. But again, those were not things I just selected. Those things where I just showed up to and I showed up enough and often, both physically and intellectually. And that's, and that's where it came from there. You dabbled in so many things and then found what worked for you and really went full steam ahead. For trainers looking at all the different things that you mentioned, where would you tell them to start or how would you tell them to select the first workshop that they go to? Yeah, I would say uh, first find your target, you know, make sure you know your target market, make sure your avatar, right? And find out what their needs are and how you can better serve them. Um, And then find certifications or find workshops or, or seminars that help you become better at helping your clients. Because we kind of get like uh, the same, we kind of feel like the same staleness that our, our clients feel sometimes, I think, where they're like, you know, hey, I want a new workout. And you're like, hey, but randomness is not, that should not lead the day, should not lead your training. But then when it comes to us, we're like, oh, I think I'm going to do this and I'm going to try that. Find out what your target market needs and then find the workshop, the seminar certification, whatever it is that will help them. Because as much as we want to make it about us, and there's things we, I go to that, I, that are just for me that I enjoy for my own training. But a lot of it is I look and go, what are the needs? So like with kettlebells and with like original strength, so with like original strength, original strength is all about ground-based movement. And with OS, we believe that we were made to move, that we were born to move a certain way, that we went from having no strength in our body to having to be to walking or running in a year or less. And we got there by neurodevelopmental patterns that were given to us. No matter no matter how you think they were given to us, we all kind of go through the same patterns. And that if we go back and we reintegrate those patterns and kind of like press reset on the on the computer system in our brain, go back to those original patterns, that's going to help us move better, feel better, reach our goals. And so I looked at my clients and I saw who I was serving and I thought, okay, I need they, they need to get on the ground. They need to get off the ground. They want to move better. They want to live life strong. And so this original strength is going to, I believe, help them do that. Same thing with the sandbags. Uh, you know, I looked at what I needed, you know, my space and my type of clientele. And then I thought that sand, I, I decided that sandbags were going to be a good choice. I didn't just randomly go and start using them. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Cool. So at what point between doing all of this and finding your ideal client and your avatar, did you say, hey, it's time to head up north and open up Iron Republic? Yeah. So once I got into the kettlebell training and everything and, uh, you know, it was moving up north was really, uh, 
you know, a, a family decision for being closer to my in-laws and with having two kids. So when we moved up north, I looked around at what was here and I said, you know, in order for me to do the type of training and work with the type of clientele I want, I'm going to have to open my own facility because there wasn't much up here except for like two, two CrossFit gyms and a couple of big box gyms. Um, so I decided to open a facility um, serving the, the, the type of clientele, the, the type of target market that I wanted to work with and also the type of training that I want to provide that I couldn't provide anywhere, any, any way else. So for a trainer that's gotten certified, they've started going to more workshops, they know who their ideal clientele is, how would you tell them to go about opening their gym or taking their business to the next level? Yeah, uh, you know, I think the, the best way to start um, is if you haven't yet worked in a big box gym, um, you know, we sometimes the, you know, the, there's, there is a bad rap on, on big box gyms and how they treat their, their, their client. I mean, their trainers. And, you know, that, that is definitely true in many ways, um, with the pay and everything. But when I look back, if I didn't have those few years working at a big box gym, or you can get this at a, at a smaller gym, but as an employee, you get to see so many people. Um, and then that will give you that confidence that you can work with a lot of different people. Now, if you've already gotten to that point and you want to open your own gym, um, realize that you're going to be working a lot of hours um, and it's going to be a lot more than just um, a lot more than just the training. So if you're like, okay, I'm a trainer, I'm enjoying this, I want to open my own place, start learning business. I heard uh, Alan Cosgrove one time on a podcast years ago. Um, I think you know, jo- I think Josh t- touched on this as well um, with Alan Cosgrove. I heard him say that if I read that you know extra training book, I'll get like one percent better as a trainer. And how many clients will that get me? Maybe like one. Uh, but if I read a business book this month, it's going to make me like a ten percent better at business. You know, that will, how many clients can I get out of that? And that really made a huge impact on me. And I was like, okay, you know, I really need to start focusing on, on becoming a better business person. Uh, at, at that time, becoming a business person or entrepreneur because um, I had no idea what to do. I was still in school and everything. And so I read the E-Myth. And, and that's what I really encourage, you know, trainers to do is don't open, a, open your own facility just because you want to train clients and not work for the boss. Um, because once you are the boss, it is a completely different animal. Um, you are, you are trying to train people, but you are also trying to figure out how to keep a business open or you're training people, but you're also trying to figure out how to keep a business open, keep marketing. There's so much more to it as you guys know with your facility and everything. Um, so focus on that big time, um, before you open your facility, don't let it stop you. If you really want to open your facility, don't let it stop you. Um, because you'll learn along the way, uh, but try to learn as much as you can before you open and just be prepared. I'm a big quote person. I'll probably say another quote here uh, before we end. I love quotes. But uh, if, if you heard that quote says, uh, you know, I, I, want, I became an entrepreneur and work 80 hours a week just so that I don't work 40 hours a week for someone else. You know, so, <laughs> and that is so true. That's great advice too. I think so often trainers are looking to just jump right into owning their own thing or running their own business. And 
there's a lot of growing pains that go with that and a lot that's outside of just getting to train and starting at a big spot, big box gym or even as an employee for somebody else can allow you to, you know, learn about your training style, learn about, you know, building connections. It can allow you to learn while you're not fully responsible for everything. And I know I personally did that. I worked at a, a gym in Boston. I worked at a gym in California. You know, I, I, I learned all the ins and outs of the business before I then decided to take the big leap. And by, you know, taking each little baby step and learning everything I could along the way, I was more prepared versus just trying to jump in with no idea of where to even start. And yeah, I mean, you, you get the knowledge that you have to have the business side of things and it's not just training. So I think that's great advice, Seth. Yeah. I mean, you know, join, you know, uh, you know, groups of people um, that are business minded, um, you know, not to really try to plug any particular business, but I spent a lot of time like I, I, I joined like, you know, Click funnels, master, you know, the, their online site and all these, you know, Ryan Dice and all these different ones where mm-hmm. I, it was totally outside where I'm thinking, okay, I got to learn about, you know, funnels or I got to learn about basic lead magnets. Cause all that goes into whether you're online or you have your own, you know, brick and mortar, you need to learn about all that stuff. So, uh, you know, learn outside the fitness industry as well. Yeah. We actually did an episode on the top tools for fitness entrepreneurs and Click funnels is definitely one of them. So that's, oh, it's actually yeah. awesome that you brought that up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, you got to learn that stuff. Yeah. I think that often trainers, they want to become trainers or fitness professionals because they love training themselves. And I think it's a great point that you brought up that you're not just going to be doing that. There's so much of the business side involved. And you also touched on a little bit the mental side. You know, I think one thing that that has come across to me from listening to every one of your answers is you've always cared about other people ahead of yourself, you know, from being an EMT to, you know, just putting yourself out there to gain information to be able to train other clients better. Do you have any tips when it comes to balancing or mindset? Uh, and success in the fitness industry or or just life in general. I mean, I would assume you, you have to have a bunch if you're a quote guy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, you got to take care of uh, a couple of things. You got to take care of your health, uh, your mental health. Make sure you don't get burned out. Um, you know, make sure that you're, you know, taking care of like, you know, any whether you're in a mind, you know, mindfulness or, you know, um, meditation or, or just positive, you know, uh, affirmations, anything like that. Um, so as a, as a coach, as a trainer yourself, you got to make sure that you do that. And also, you know, I, I have been big into always thinking about the, you know, what's going on in the side, inside the head of my clients, the people that, you know, I work with, um, that I'm surrounded by that. And I think that just comes from, uh, being on the ambulance, being, you know, in the Coast Guard on the ambulance, working with, you know, people that, you know, they get in the, they get in the back and, and everything is going wrong for them in their world at that moment. And so trying to figure out, you know, ways to help, you know, understand and empathize with them as much as you can. And that's the same thing with people that walk into our door. See, we, we tend to think that uh, anyone who walks through our door is is 100% committed to radically transforming their lives. And it's like, in reality, they're just like putting one foot through the door very cautiously to see if this is something they can realistically do at this point. You know? And we're like, yes, you're here. You're ready. Let's do this. And they're like, whoa, I am here. And I'm not sure uh, what any of this is. This is a new world to me. You know, like you said, we, we like to train ourselves. And so that's why, you know, a lot of us get into it. We're like, oh, I love fitness. You know, uh, 
Uh, I think that a lot of, and this isn't a knock, but I think a lot of trainers um, are like are like hobbyists that are trying to get other people really excited about their hobby, and 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 that's not everyone. But the more when I think of that, I think of like you know people, the people that are like, oh, I just want to train people the way I train. Well, that you know you got to if you want to become a pro, you got to think about how they need to train and. It and 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 bringing in the mindset is huge, um, and understanding that mindset, the mind has such a powerful uh, effect over over people. Um, you know, I I publicly uh, put a post out recently um, about my own struggles with uh, mental health, um, and you know, I got PTSD from the ambulance. Um, and it's very, very common on the ambulance and uh, in emergency first responders. But there's always been kind of this man-up culture, so we didn't talk about it. And I never dealt with it, uh, with the PTSD stuff. And it and it turned it into a panic and anxiety disorder. And I'm very open about that because I think that a lot of people don't realize, like, before I, that happened to me, I just heard of, like, anxiety and panic as, like, with, with my clients. And I was like, oh, come on, like, stop being so nervous. And when that happened to me, like out of the blue, it became such a huge like realization to me, like what's actually going on. Like when I have a client walks in and they're like, oh, I've got some anxiety. I can relate with that person on such a higher level than I ever used to. Like when I was going through my, um, the panic anxiety stuff, uh, your brain just turns on and just goes into fight or flight mode. Like I, you're not, it's not being overwhelmed is not being nervous it's not a, it is like goes into straight up fight or flight mode drops adrenaline in your system you can't stop it from happening um and when i was going through that like i couldn't work out because anything that elevated my heart rate kind of like made uh the triggers in my my amygdala kind of like drop adrenaline in my system and i when your my whole day like sucked like that i wanted to eat like super rich food because anything that like, you know, ice cream, anything that like stimulated the brain, like sugar, because when you're like whole day is just like horrible like that. And you're in, 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 you're going through all those thoughts and you're dealing with that stuff. I wanted to eat and I didn't want to eat like a salad. And so now like having done that and having gone through that, um, and fortunately I've, I don't have that anymore. I've worked my way through that. Um, I can empathize with my clients that walk in and they're like, Hey, I've got some anxiety or I've got some depression. or I got some panic. And I'm like, I, now I'm not just like, okay, well you just gotta, you just gotta suck it up and you just gotta get in there and you just gotta work and you just gotta change your diet. I can totally empathize from a different level. Seth, your openness is inspirational and you touched on again, so many good and important things for trainers. Uh, just to highlight a few points, because I just, I want to go over them for myself because they were really, really important. But you touched on trainers being hobbyists. And, you know, as hard as that is to hear sometimes, I think it's such an important point because many people do get into the industry. And I actually tell new trainers starting out, you might love working out, but it isn't about you. It's about your clients and about helping them achieve success. And that mental portion of it is so important. And understanding those triggers and how they all relate is so important because, Really, training is something we do to move and feel better in everyday life. And so often there are so many different things in our life that are going to get in the way, that are going to trigger bad things. And 
you need to remember that training is a sanctuary to make them feel better, that it should be a stress relief, that, you know, there are going to be these other triggers that happen. And I love that you touch on that. It, that, I mean, that was a great story. And thank you so much for sharing such a personal experience. Yeah, thanks. No, you know, and I and I'm very open about it now. Like I would tell people because there's such a stigma behind mental health. You, you know, anyone listens to this podcast, you probably most likely have clients that uh, you're working with that are dealing with some sort of anxiety or panic or depression, and you don't know about it because there's such a stigma behind it. I think we watched, you know, one flew over the cuckoo's nest too many times. You know, uh, we think that people have, you know, with anything going on in the mind that it's like something they got to get over or they're crazy. You know, and, and really the, the brain can get sick just like the heart can get sick or the liver can get sick. You know, if a client came to me and said, hey, I got an issue with my liver, I wouldn't be like, get over it, you know, uh, suck it up. You know, I'd be like, oh, are you, are you getting the right kind of medication? Are you getting the right kind of treatment for it? Well, the same thing can happen in the mind. And ever since that happened to me, I, like I said, I, you know, when like there's a, there's a great quote here. Throw another quote in there. Uh, I, I read a great quote in Tim Ferriss's uh, new book, uh, which is awesome. Uh, and it said, uh, with depression and anxiety and all that kind of stuff, it said, as far as thoughts go, the quote was, they tried to bury us. They didn't know we were seeds. And when I heard, when I read those words, I was like, wow, like that just like hit me so hard because like when I was on the ambulance, that's what it is. Like we go on a call, you know, you're doing CPR, da, da, da. you don't like hug your partner afterwards and give a good cry and let it out and talk about it. We just bury it. And our clients are burying their, the stuff that's going on in their life because they're afraid to talk about it to the people around them. Um, because they think they're going to be looked at as weak or, you know, inadequate or not able to handle themselves or they're not manning up. And those thoughts that our clients bury and the same thoughts that we bury, they're, they're, they're seeds. They tried to bury us. They didn't know we were seeds. So they may come up down the road in something else. And now that I'm not saying with a client, uh, you know, that you got to be a therapist for them. I, I'm not for my clients. But I empathize with them, and then if they mention anything, I let them know that that's okay to tell me, and to, and and that you know uh, they're not weak, and that you know there's definitely great treatments available because most people with panic, anxiety, depression never get treatment because they're it's undiagnosed and they are too afraid to tell people, and that's why suicide rates. That's not just why, but that's you know also why suicide suicide rates are are high and stuff because. People aren't, people are too afraid to talk about it. So if you notice that with your client, just like we would refer, refer someone out with neck pain to a doctor, you know, you would say, you know, Hey, can I refer you to some, some treatment or to a therapist, you know, because that could be, that could be hindering their results as well. And, and their, their happiness in life. It's also important to remember when you're doing a training session that the gym is a great place to develop, you know, confidence, to feel empowered and to make sure that your workouts aren't just focused on beating people down, but actually helping them achieve results results because that helps them move forward towards their goal. It helps them feel empowered. Like I know, you know, lifting the weight or being able to do that first pull up or any of those things can help you build confidence, which does translate to other aspects of your life. So it's important to remember to set goals with your clients and use the training as a place that, you know, if you're in a small group, people can develop friendships and they can become more open and get over some of the different things because as you said, they're seeds. And if we don't deal with them, they could come up at some other point when we're least expecting it. Yeah, absolutely. Movement is huge. Like I couldn't like 
when I was going through the, the, the big part of it, I, I couldn't uh, do a lot of like stuff that would get my heart rate up. So that's what original strength became so huge for me. I would get on the ground. I would do some crawling. I would do some rolling, do deep belly breathing, you know, move my head around. So uh, original strength became something that I really helped build my confidence back up, uh, you know, to be able to move again. Um, because I wasn't afraid of moving, I just knew that if I got it, my if anything got my heart rate up, it would trigger my trigger, uh, you know, my amygdala and drop the adrenaline in my system. But then through movement, I started to started to calm down the amygdala, calm down the brain, and movement gave me that confidence again um, to do it. So a big thing too. One la- one quick thing about the you know any of your clients. Or yourself, if you're, if, if any of anyone listening to this is dealing with any sort of depression, anxiety, panic, anything, one of my biggest things is I got rid of it in eight months and that's very, very fast, uh, for a lot of people. And I did it without medication. Now that's not, I'm not saying if people need medic, uh, uh, need medication that it's wrong. If you need medication, absolutely. You know, if that's what your doctor thinks, uh, is best for you. But a big thing that helped me is I didn't take it as part of my identity. When I went and I sat down with a therapist, I said, hey, you know what? I found out what this is now. You've told me what this is. It's not who I am. I'm not somebody that's living with anxiety or panic disorder. I am somebody that is going through this illness right now. And now that I know what it is, I can work on that. Where a lot of people, they make, like a lot of your clients, right? They're going to, they may make that become who they are. Like, I'm not going through depression. I'm somebody that's depressed, right? So, like, they make it their identity, just like we need to make working out our identity. Like, I'm somebody that works out. They may make that their identity. And so, if you're dealing with, if you got someone in the gym and they're, you see that they're down, this and that a lot, uh, they don't have a lot of energy, they seem to be more anxious, you know, um, realize that they may have made that as part of their identity. And so, getting them that help, um, is huge and uh and it's it's life-changing so don't make it part of your identity realize that it's something that people go through if i can go through it with all the stuff that i went through on the ambulance you know i'm not like a nervous person so if something like if it can happen to someone like me it can happen to anyone i mean i think that's fantastic advice and seth you've had so many life experiences both on the mental side on the fitness side on the business side so it's going to be a two-part question kind of a little bit of a transition, where do you see the future of the fitness industry going? And then also, you have Disc Golf Strong, which you haven't touched upon. Where is that headed for you in the future? Yeah, awesome. Um, so it, as where, the, where I think the future of the fitness industry going is, uh, you know, definitely online. Uh, there's there's going to be a bigger online component. Um, I'm doing online coaching now and stuff as well. Um, uh, because I see that that it is definitely going that way. More people uh, are going to be able to access it better from their home um, and not have to go to a facility. But with the with the facility, I think it's going to be going towards smaller facilities. You know, more boutique facilities. Uh, you know, semi private, small groups, stuff like that. And then the mental side of it, the habits. Um, a good a few good friends of mine. They're big. Um, you know, they teach habit training, they teach habit based training, um, and dealing with the other hours that our people, that our clients are not with us and strategies on using 
on using uh, for, for building people's habits. So maybe not, not away from the exercise side because there's still going to be the exercise, but more coaches are going to realize that they need to start helping their clients uh, learn strategies to uh, better their habit, to get better habits. Um, as far as disc golf, yeah. So I, I started a company up a while, about a year ago. Um, it was kind of hobby uh, in the beginning. Now it's taken on more steam um, called Disc Golf Strong. And uh, it's there's about 8 to 12 million disc golfers around the world. And, uh, you know, I'm the right now I'm the only one speaking to that population. I'm a huge disc golfer, uh, which, uh, is important. I'm, I really got into it years ago and I'm helping disc golfers around the world, uh, move better, feel better, play, play longer, throw farther, uh, and try to stave off injury. Seth, it has been amazing hearing all of your different stories and all of your different experiences. But now we have some really, really tough questions for you. Oh, shoot. We have this segment called the Fast Five Fitness Facts. And these are going to be five questions and we're going to give them to you really quickly and you have to do your best to answer. Are you ready? I am ready. Let's go. What's your favorite exercise? Uh, mine is the single leg deadlift. I love the unilateral uh, part of the single, single leg deadlift. That's it. That's a good one. And what exercise do you hate but love at the same time? Yes, that would be the kettlebell snatch. Going through the RKC, you have to do 100 snatches in five minutes or less. And I hate it, but I always see great benefits out of it. What's the best book you've ever read? Mm, I, I, I love books. Uh, I listen to a lot on audio, Audible. Uh, I would say that one of my recent books on Audible was Legacy uh, by James Kerr. Uh, Legacy, it's 15 Lessons in Leadership. Uh, from the All Blacks, and it's best on Audible. One of my favorite books of all time. Staying in the audio segment, what is your favorite pump-up song at the moment? Yes, uh, Dirty Heads. Are you familiar with Dirty Heads? Yeah. Sound of Change by Dirty Heads. I went to a concert last year. I'd never heard of them, and now they're like my favorite band. <laughs> and if you could train with one person, alive or dead, who would it be and why? Yes, um... If I could train with one person, fortunately, I've had the opportunity to train uh, with this uh, gentleman a few times. I stayed at his house and trained in his uh, gym, which is his garage. Uh, that's uh, my friend Dan John. Um, why I, I love training with Dan and why I would want to, if I could move up to Salt Lake and train with him uh, all the time, is that uh, through his like 35, 45 years of experience, whatever it is, uh, he cuts through all the fluff. Uh, he's trained some of the best in the world and he's trained with some of the best coaches in the world uh, throughout his whole entire life. And so uh, he makes everything simple but not easy. I'm a very like simple kind of guy. I like my workout simple. And so uh, he's all about like, let's lift heavy stuff and then like go have a beer. Like, cool. <laughs> that's as simple as it gets. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's him. Like pick <laughs> something heavy up, carry it back and forth uh, and then drink a beer. And then we have one more Seth Muncy exclusive. This, this is going to stump you, I think. Maybe, right. maybe not. We'll see. I just stretched out. One quote. Pick it. Your favorite. Go. Yes. Uh, from Legacy, from the book Legacy. It's probably my favorite quote now. Embrace the expectations. Embrace the expectations. There's going to be a lot of expectations on your life, and it's sometimes going to be scary. And... Uh, like they say in the book, when you become a New Zealand All Black, that's what it's about. When you become a New Zealand All Black, you are looked at as a New Zealand All Black. And when you walk on that field, on that pitch, 
everyone is going to expect you to perform at the level of a New Zealand All Black. And as scared as you are, you need to embrace those expectations, become a New Zealand All Black. And that's the same in my life now. I try to embrace the expectations. There's going to be a lot on me. A lot of people are going to expect a lot of things from me. And I, instead of being scared and run from it, I need to embrace it and, and charge forward. I feel like that was like the perfect quote for a mic drop right after. <laughs> Seth, thank you so much for joining us. Can you tell our listeners where they can find you and maybe how to contact you? Yeah, the, the best way to contact me is my email, seth at ironrepublicstrong.com or even sethmunsey at gmail.com if you don't want to write all that out, type all that out. Uh, sethmunsey at gmail.com is great as well. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, uh, friend me. Um, I love connecting with people. Um, my website, ironrepublicstrong.com or also like disc golf. You can give me disc golf strong, but email me. Awesome, Seth. Thanks so much again. Hey, thanks so much, uh, Corey and Ryan. It has been such a pleasure uh, being on here. I really appreciate it. It's been fun. Thanks for listening to the Fitness Hacks Podcast by Redefining Strength. For the show notes and more episodes, visit redefiningstrength.com.